Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name's Mark, and uh, I'm the, I have the great privilege of being the senior pastor or rector here, and I just love this service. Uh, I think, actually, when I think of the year, I reckon this is, and it has been for many years, this Midnight Eve service is probably my favorite service of the year. So I'm just so glad you're all here to share in it and to be part of it, because it really is wonderful. So. Uh, welcome. And if you're from out of town and you're visiting friends, we're so glad you could drop in and be part of our family tonight. And uh, we're so glad you're here. And if church isn't what you normally do, um, we, we're, we're glad you're here as well. And we hope you'll find this helpful in some way on your spiritual journey, uh, wherever and whatever that is. So uh, let's just uh, pray and then we'll think together a little bit about some of this scripture. Lord Jesus, uh, in this beautiful, quiet evening, speak to us. Uh, come and be with us wherever we are on our journey, whatever our hopes and our fears, whatever our longings and our losses. May you connect with us tonight. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So uh, one of the fabulous things about Christmas is that we get to be with people, don't we? And that's really wonderful. Uh, we know that this is what one of the things that, that makes it just so significant. People travel long distances. Some of you have. I heard tonight folk from, you know, somewhere, there's, another, there's a little town somewhere, Adelaide, somewhere like, you know. You've even come from Adelaide, you know. We travel long distances to be with people because... Uh, we are, at the very essence of our humanity, is to be with others. That, that in fact, this is from, if you think about it actually, from conception to birth, we are with people. There's no such thing as a solitary human being. We can't, no, no person is an island. We sometimes think we are. But we're not. We're with people. This makes us who we are. We're made with and we're made for connection. Aren't we? I mean, why else, for example, do we go and sit in coffee shops? You know, for the price of a coffee, you rent a space. And even if you're by yourself, you're just with others. And it feels a whole lot better than just sitting by yourself, drinking coffee alone at home because we're meant to be with people. And we're with people tonight. And, and with others, our joys are amplified, aren't they? I mean, when you have a really profound experience, it's much better when you share it with someone else, isn't it? And if they can't be there with you, what's one of your immediate instincts once you've had a great experience? Well, it's to tell others so that they can share with you in that experience. Our joys are amplified. Our sorrows are mitigated by being with others, aren't they? Uh, two years ago, my mum died, and that was pretty sad. Um, but I got the call, so she was in Cape Town, you know, uh, eight hour, nine hours behind, and we had friends who'd come from Canada and were having dinner with us on the 23rd. And there was just something beautiful to, to actually be with close friends and family. And actually that contained and held and mitigated the grief and the loss. 
being with others helps us in our grief. Uh, Christmas is really all about being with others who care about us. That's why, gee, that's why Christmas is a mixed blessing though, isn't it, sometimes? We all hear the negative stories. We hear that, you know, uh, we hear the stories of how the uh, calls to domestic violence helplines go up around this time of year. Uh, crisis lines around depression and suicide requests go up. We know, uh, I have a friend who practices family law. We know that, you know, his busiest times of the year are before Christmas and after Christmas. Uh, I can't stand the pain of being in this marriage for any longer. I have to end it. I have to get out. Uh, we all know, and this is, the, this is the difficulty, isn't it? That, that we're made to be with people. and Being with people amplifies our joys and mitigates our sorrows, but uh, sometimes being with people is excruciating, right? Uh, it can be really, really, really painful. We, the, being with people can be an immense source of pain because uh, people reject us, don't they? Maybe they don't reject you, but they reject me. Uh, you know? People, particularly when they get close, and maybe this is why Chris, it all blows up at Christmas, because here's the thing at Christmas, right? You've got like 40, 50, 60, 70 years of history of accumulated stuff-ups <laughs> where we've messed up and we've let each other down and we've hurt each other. And all that comes together in a, you know, 35-degree alcohol-fueled binge of love. So being with people can be painful, right? Um, we can be with destructive people. Sometimes the people who men to love us the most do us immense damage, don't they? If you are in a context where you, you live with domestic violence, then let me say, you'll always be believed and you need to get help. And you need to get safe and you need to get out. It's at the spectrum. It's the one end, right, of, of when, when people do us damage and harm. It happens in all kinds of ways. And then there's a pain of the with-peopleness. And it's the particular pain that comes when you can't be with the people that you love. Because they're traveling. Or they're unavailable. Or they've passed away. There's a particular pain. Uh, and Chris, Christmas highlights that. Like mum died two years ago just before Christmas. Uh, I left South Africa in 91 and I work as a, in, the, in a church. So here's the thing, when you're in a church, you never get to have Christmas off and go home to see your mum at Christmas. It's my only real regret. I, I mean, I, mum and I had a good relationship. She was 87 when she died, so no, no complaints. My biggest regret is that for 20, I don't know, gosh, many, 27 years, I never got to have a Christmas with her. I'm really sad about that. And that's, that's just life. So, so being with people brings us enormous joy, mitigates our losses, but actually being with people and the withness, that, that inevitable social, sociality or socialness of our beings actually also is part of the pain of our human existence. Uh, and, and what that says to us if we think about it deeply, it says a few things. It says that, that we're actually made to be with someone who uh, will never reject us, who will always want to be with us, whose presence 
always mitigates our pain and in fact does more than that, but, but whose presence gets us through our deepest trials and a person whose presence just brings increasing joy. We're made to be with someone and actually over time to be with people where all there is is joy and there's none of the heartache and none of the pain. Because actually one of the biggest problems in life, isn't it, is that in fact the being with people is always mixed. And the fact that it's always mixed, I think, is a hint, a, a, a pointer that we discover woven into the fabric of reality that says we're made to be with another, perhaps another who will never find embodied in this world, but another who will always want to be with you. I mean, that's what we want, isn't it? To always be with someone where, where you come into their presence, there's never a hint of rejection. There's never a hint of, oh, you're not good enough. You want to be with another who's never going to remember all your stuff-ups. You want to be with another where the slate is wiped clean completely, perfectly. You want to be with someone who is also always able to be with you. Has the power, the desire and the power to be with you. And then whose presence with you actually will get you through your deepest trials. Now, uh, that's what we're made for, I want to suggest. And I want to suggest, you know, we'll never really flourish as human beings. We'll never realize our potential until we come into a relationship where we can be with someone like that. The question is, where do we find that someone? Now, it's a church. There's no surprise. I'm going to suggest to you that someone is God. And in fact, uh, the, the gospel reading we heard and the whole story of Jesus tells us that this is the central claim of Christianity, that, that there is someone who can be with us in a way that will cause us to be the most, you know, most fully human and alive beings we possibly can be. And that person is God himself. And the name given to God when he steps onto the stage of human history is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. And this is Matthew's gospel, right? I'm not sure if you remember this, but this was a letter written by a bloke who was a complete outsider and outcast. He was a tax collector. He was, he was a collaborator with a vicious, oppressive uh, colonial power crushing his people, and he was economically benefiting. He was stealing from his people, colluding with a pagan power who were oppressing God's people. And he had had an encounter with Jesus, and it had so changed him that central to his understanding of Jesus was this name, Emmanuel, that God is with us. So central that really the whole of Matthew's gospel is bookended by this name of Jesus. It starts off saying his name's going to be Jesus, his name's going to be Emmanuel, God with us, and it ends with, a, with at right in the last couple of verses of Matthew 28, right at the end of the book, he says there's this incredible promise that Jesus will be with us always until the very end of the age. You see, what do we find in Jesus? What does it mean for God to be with us? Well, it means this. Hey, listen, uh, God is going to be with us in spite of or perhaps even because of our stuff-ups. That's what we want, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, think about it for a moment. If there is a God 
And this God, as we classically think of it, is omniscient, so knows everything. This God is going to know more about your stuff-ups than anyone else will, right? Like, most of us are pretty good at hiding hiding a bunch of stuff about ourselves. We'll certainly hide it here for an hour at church and at work. And, and, and as people get closer to us, we can hide less and less. But hey, if there is a God, the one thing you can know about this God is you can't hide anything from God. He sees everything, right? Which is a slightly terrifying thing. Now imagine you're in Matthew's shoes. You know, he's a guy who's, who's stolen and from, his, from God's people. He's despicable untouchable. He says, no, listen, God doesn't treat me like that, Matthew says. He says, I'm going to write a gospel that's going to tell you that God wants to be with you. That's pretty good news. God's going to want to be with you. The claim of Christmas, you see, is that God is not put off by our mess. He's not, he's not put off by your stuff-ups. He knows them, and he comes to be with you in them. He says, listen, I love you, and I know you've screwed up, man. Let's, I'm not pretending, but I've come to be with you. No other religion makes that claim. Do you realize that? Every other religion basically says, listen, there's God, however you conceive of him, her, or it. And if you want to connect with this God, what you've got to do, if you want to be with God, what you've got to do is sort out your own stuff, right? You've got to go down the path to enlightenment. You've got to do the seven steps of this or the 12 steps of that. Or, you know, you've got to keep these 633 laws, whatever they might be. And if you're really good, maybe you can get to be with God. Matthew says, uh-uh, God comes to be with us for a hated collaborator, a tax collector, an oppressor of his people. God comes to be with us. He's not put on. He comes to heal us and redeem us as we are. And the other thing that Matthew point that Matthew is going to make is, and the Bible makes, is that this God who comes to be with us, his presence with us gives us the power to help us in our greatest trials. So as the, the original, the, the first passage that Doug read from Isaiah was a promise given to Israel in the face of impending uh, military catastrophe. And he says, God will get you through that. God is with you. God is with you. He will get you. You see, I, I don't know about you, uh, I, don't, I don't just want a God who'll love me and be with me, right? I mean, like imagine, imagine if you get, you get caught in a rip and you're being pulled out to sea and a lifeguard comes out, comes out and, gets, and then goes, man, I just love you. And you oh, that's awesome. And then jumps in the water with you because oh, I'm just here with you. And you're like, well, can you do something? No, I'm just here with you, man. I just love you. I love you, man. I'm just here with you. Say no, I want you to do something. I want you to have the power to get me out of the rip and get me onto the board and get me safely back to shore. I don't want God just to be all empathetic love who comes with me and affirms me. I mean, I want that, but I don't just want that. And the Bible says that's not what we get. We get a God whose presence with us is also power to heal us and get us through the worst trials that we'll ever have to face. That's what it claims, right? And if you think about it, uh, 
I don't know, I've thought about this an enormous amount through my life. I, I grew up in Africa in the context of a civil war, lots of violence, lots of death, lots of destruction in all sorts of ways around me. Um, so I've thought about death a lot. Here's the thing I've come to believe. Uh, we all die alone, right? No one can die in our place. There's only one person in the world who can actually die with us and come across that gulf of death to the other side. And it can't be someone who has a body, right? So that's why it sort of makes sense. It's, that's what God has come to do. He's come to live with us and to die with us. So in our greatest trials, he'll be there and he will carry us across to the other side. So dying becomes really just falling asleep and waking up in the presence of God. That's what Christmas says that God is doing for us and with us. He's got the power to help us, and he'll never leave us. <laughs> Even our own death doesn't cause God to abandon us. And nothing, isn't that amazing? Like, I don't know, nothing, just think about this. Um, there is nothing you can do that could cause God to abandon you and to stop loving you. Hey, isn't that amazing? Like, is there anyone else in your life who's like that? I mean, your parents, mm, listen, kids, there are limits, <laughs> to be honest, sort of. But even parents, you know, but, but God, there's nothing. I mean, that's, what, what an amazing love, right? Nothing we can do can get God to stop us. He will never leave us. Now, um, you might, if you're thinking ahead, you might have this question going around in your head. You go, well, okay, Mark, you're going on about God is with us. But listen, the big problem with God being with us is, uh, well, where? Where? Can anyone see God? God doesn't have a body, so maybe it really is all just wishful thinking. Maybe, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe, in fact, the vast majority of what makes life really interesting is the stuff that we can't actually see, like love can't really see it. You can see the effects of love, but you can't see the thing of love, but even more profoundly and Excuse me if I sound a little excited about this, but I was reading this week about the nature of being. It's a subject, a subcategory of philosophy called ontology. And some of the, the effects that science, contemporary science is having, and its insights into the, into the way we understand being. Listen, most scientists today will tell you that what we understand about the nature of reality is a fraction of what is there. So, show of hands, how many of you, I only found out about this this week, I think it's so cool, how many of you have heard about quantum entanglement? Yes, I see those hands. Isn't that awesome? Right, a few hands. Yeah, okay, so, now, of those of you who raised your hands, how many of you understand it? Okay, that's awesome, neither do I, but it sounds really impressive. No. I do. I, I understand a little bit of it. It's, 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 it's an old theory. Einstein started thinking about it. It's been proved. And quantum entanglement says that at a quantum level, 
Particles that are disconnected in space, completely separate, can have the, the effect on one has the identical effect on the other at a quantum level. And it's observed with all kinds of subatomic particles at a quantum level, and no one really knows why. And then you add to that string theory, and you go, well, there's another seven dimensions of reality that we don't really understand. And suddenly, you know what you start to go? You said, there's this whole thing that, that our world rests on that just doesn't seem to be material in the way we normally think of it. So maybe ultimate reality has a spiritualish, soulish, godish dimension. Isn't that interesting? So maybe it's not that weird to think that there might be a God. And that this God might be the most powerful, intimate, present, personal being in all of reality, even though this God doesn't have a body like you or I. Well, that's the claim of Christianity. Might not be true, but that's the claim. So I think it's an astounding claim. If it's true, it changes everything. And if it's not true, then we should know and we should give up and get on with our lives. Uh, it's true. So what do you do with that claim? Well, here's the thing about God, right? God does not want to be that uninvited guest at your Christmas lunch. You know, that, or that, that unwelcome guest. You know, maybe your family has that. The, the strange uncle or aunt or cousin who you've got to invite because you're related to them and they come and they drink too much and they're inappropriate and they don't know when to leave and they're just annoying and they crash your party. God doesn't want to be that person for you. God wants to come into your party only if you want him in. This is the amazing thing, right? God takes our choices, our will, with the utmost seriousness. This is the very nature of reality. If you want to be with God, God wants to be with you. But if you don't want to be with God, it would be awfully rude and unkind of God to force himself on you. Right? Think about it. Sometimes, uh, I, read this, I read this from a thinker the other day, a theologian, and he said, maybe if, if hell is the absence of God, being in a place forever without God. He says, maybe hell is the best that God can do for some people, right? Because imagine if heaven is a place where we are with God forever, just immediately. We don't, we don't have all the distractions. Like, it's just this extraordinary party with God all the time. But imagine if you didn't like God. <laughs> imagine if you'd spent your life pushing him away and you didn't want anything to do with God, being forced to party with God forever would just be excruciating and awful. So maybe sometimes honoring our choices to not be with God is the best he can do for us. I want to ask you this Christmas. I want to ask me this Christmas. Uh, don't I want to be with God more than anything else? <laughs> don't I want this more than anything else. And in fact, don't I realize, and I'm speaking to myself now, I say, Mark, don't I realize that when I am with God, when, my, when my, the fundamental core of my being comes from being with this God, then every other relationship falls into place and starts to make sense. I can start to be with people in ways that really love them and empower them and respect them and serve them. You know, that's, you know... 
the power to flourish and live comes from being with God. Don't you want that? I want to invite you to think about that. Why not? Why not make 2018 a year where you think about what does it really mean to live a life with God? That's what he wants. Matthew's gospel is so clear. God wants to be, he's coming to this world to be with us. It's up to us if we want to be with him. And if you want to be with God, if you want to live a life with God, then a church like ours or pretty much any other church where you come from is a community of people who are on that journey to live that out and figure that out. So go join a church. If you live locally, come back here. If you live in another part of the state or the country or the world, go there and turn up at church and say, hey, I want to learn how to live with God. Because I think that's the, that's, the, that's the only real hope I have for life. It's the only real hope I have for death. Go and ask him to show you how that works. And come and join us as we figure it out together. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, uh, we thank you for this extraordinary promise that you will be with us. This extraordinary reality. And I pray that you will help us to believe that, to trust that promise, and to embark on this wonderful adventure that is a life with you. Uh, Lord, we're all at different places and stages spiritually, but I just ask you to do something in our lives tonight that is pretty wonderful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.